gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. It is democracy manifest. Uh, quite literally, again. Yeah, like I mean, we we have quite literalized it, but this is this is the most literal music news story of democracy manifest because this is literally the manifestation of democracy. That's true. We used that joke when we were doing the pre-election stuff, but now democracy has manifested, and it has democracy manifested over the weekend in the New South Wales state election. If you missed it, we had to change of government. Dominic Perrottet's Liberal Party uh, was ousted after 12 years in government. Chris Minns uh, and the Labor Party are in, and we're going to be talking about uh, what they have in store for music. And just very, very quickly, there, I saw a headline come through today saying that they're not sure that Labor will actually get a majority in the House because as we are recording this, as we are coming live to you, Liberal are ahead in the seat of Terrigal, so, so minutely, 50.1% compared to Labor's 49.9%. So Adam Crouch is currently leading by 87 votes. So if you think your vote doesn't count, it does. Crazy, crazy close. It's about as close as you'll see in the seat. There are a few seats still up for contention, Terrigal obviously being one of them. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on that one. And that's with 70% of the votes counted. So there's still a little way to go. A few more twists could potentially be because Labor were ahead for, I think, all of the weekend when they stopped counting on Saturday and now at some point, Today, Liberal have gone ahead, but only just. But that's a quick update from the election. <laughs> from the election room here at Home Brewed, <laughs> we bring you another update on the seat of Terrigal. Uh, no, we will be keeping an eye on that one, though. It's interesting uh, in terms of how close it is, if nothing else. But we want to talk tonight about what that will actually, this election victory is going to mean for the music industry because uh, a lot of promises were made and not made. Uh, it, contrastingly ahead of the election campaign. We covered it um, in depth. So if you want a real in-depth look at the policy, we're just going to gloss over them here to remind you, then you're going to need to jump on our podcast, go back a couple of weeks. You'll see the title there. And we did cover it quite extensively. Now, what struck us both when we were preparing that segment was um, how significant a policy Labor had brought to the election. And again, I always feel like we need to make the disclaimer here that this isn't like necessarily reflective of our own personal politics. This is literally just a a looking at it from what's good for the music industry in New South Wales perspective. And it was really, really clear that Labor were offering like f- far, far more for the music industry. In fact, they're offering pretty much exactly what the music industry had asked for, which we- 100 million. Yeah. Well, they actually went over it by 3 million, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, that was the kind of state of play heading into the election. So, you know, all other issues aside from a music perspective, it was going to be very interesting to see who won because it was going to dictate what the next four years might look like for the music industry in New South Wales. Um, and so they have won. Uh, they ran on a, a fresh start campaign. Uh, we've got a now nighttime economy minister, music and nighttime economy minister, John Graham and Chris Minns being the new premier. They ran um, a, a pretty big campaign uh, for music ahead of time. We even saw on Friday night uh, venues across New South Wales all turn off their music for 10 minutes as part of a campaign uh, ahead of the polling day to 
basically encourage people to vote for Labor because of the policy. Um, so we saw this campaign going ahead of that. Labor had ticked all the boxes, which were presented by Vote Music, uh, a nonpartisan coalition of music industry organisation and leaders. Um, they issued a comprehensive plan for music last month uh, for the development of it in this state, asked for a $100 million commitment from all parties and all candidates. Um, now, in the weeks leading up to the election after this announcement, the opposition Labor Party laid out its funding pledge, which was $103 million, as we said, along with a multi-year plan to rebuild the music business, um, which we know had been punished by uh, the climate, licensing regulations, a pandemic, lockout laws. Um, and what we did see, unfortunately, during the pandemic specifically, was a really, really telling inaction from the current state government and federal government at the time, actually. Um, we, we, we saw stuff all offered to the music industry at a state level and a federal level, and that had some really, really big impacts and implications. It meant that the recovery that we're now seeing took a lot longer and we lost a lot of people from the industry that are yet to return. Now, interestingly, I was, uh, and, and I suppose you can tie what I'm about to say into both the stories we're going to present tonight, reading a story earlier that didn't make the cut for the music news but was interesting, that was really highlighting um, how pe many artists specifically had left the industry because of the pandemic and the lack of support on offer um, because it's not only a, a hit to the hip pocket, it's not only venues shutting down, but it's also quite mentally taxing. So a lot of bands that were on the up uh, pre-COVID have given up altogether or lost all their momentum and they're starting again or, you know, mm. we know how important moments are in the building of any career uh, and they were denied those moments. And the interesting thing that we've spoken about so much on Homebrewed is when you are denied those moments uh, because of factors that we could change, like as we saw with all the venue closures in Sydney's and due to lockout laws and that kind of stuff, then you're undoubtedly losing talent that could have gone on to be the next biggest band in the country. Yeah, and we're also losing those who work behind the scenes. We're losing a lot of touring staff, a lot of venue staff who in a very similar boat just either mentally taxed, feeling the lack of support because it is a very much a gig, gig economy, the life sector in the music industry. So I wonder if any of those people might come back now that we've had a change in government. They might see that $103 million pledge to the music industry. They might see that, okay, maybe there is a bit more support. There's a fair bit of momentum behind live music at the moment. Maybe they might come back. Maybe we might see some more musicians have a fresh start as a result of it. Uh, well, only time will tell on that front, but it is potentially exciting news for the music sector. It is, it is. And just to give you a rehash of what we can expect, um, so they took to the election the New South Wales Labor Party. Um, first of all, the establishment of Sound New South Wales, which is really, really big because we have um, Screen Australia, for example, for the film industry, Screen New South Wales, I believe, or a, var a variation of it. Um, the creative industries often have these kind of like uh, bodies within government that are there to kind of represent, advocate, administrate. Uh, and we have never had this for the music industry before. So Sound New South Wales is slated to be created. And um, correct me if I'm wrong in this, but wouldn't the head of Sound New South Wales be in direct consultation with industry professionals? So that would be 
acting on behalf of the government but actually engaging with the music industry, which was a massive gripe on previous legislation that was passed, is that there was no consultation. So Sound New South Wales will actually form ahead and that person will be in direct consultation with those in the industry. Exactly. The other really interesting part of this is because we've seen such a big federal commitment to music via the Labor government, they have this, uh, we also reported on this, the Music News not long ago, um, this years-long massive plan that they worked together in lockstep with the music industry to create. So we've got state and federal government at the same time with roughly the same ambitions for the industry broadly. And you've got two bodies within federal and state governments that are representative of that industry means they're now able to speak to one another. So we have this bridge between the industry itself, a state government, and then a federal government as well, a streamlined kind of way from information. So there's no disconnect between priorities, what's needed, et cetera, et cetera, getting from the person on the ground all the way to the federal government, um, which mm. we've never seen before, which is really, really interesting. Um, and, you know, it is also worth noting that these are all promises at this stage yeah. and it does have to follow through. We often don't see it happen with politicians. And at Homebrewed, we're going to do our bit to make sure they do it. Oh, yeah. Um, if this isn't implemented in a reasonable time frame, we will be calling up, <laughs> calling we'll Chris Mims himself. I've got his personal number. I actually do have his personal number. <laughs> there you go. But give him a call. No, but we will be raising this again and saying, well, where are where is this policy? Because it was an election promise. We're yet to see it. When can we expect to see it? Because it's probably a reason why a lot of people who do love and support the music industry might have swayed their vote towards Labor. And yeah. if they don't follow through with it, well, it feels like a vote that hasn't really gone the way that they would have wanted it to. Yeah, that's right. And we yeah, we definitely do need to keep them accountable for this and make sure they do deliver on these promises because, as you said, it was a big vote by it. And even the industry got on board with those blackouts the night before. That would have undoubtedly mm. shifted some votes ahead of the election. So... Um, yeah, it's not good enough to not deliver on that. That's absolutely right. Um, so yeah, part of what they're introducing, the establishment of Sound New South Wales, um, a state music development agency, um, the implementation of the music industry's raising their voices report. That's also going to include $4 million over four years to ensure industry, industry compliance with codes of conduct to, to support the drive for cultural change in music. Um, now the raising their voices report was this years-long report. We have spoken about it at length on the show before as well, basically looking at the myriad of cultural issues that were existing within the music industry, specifically towards marginalised communities, specifically towards women. Um, and we had a big reckoning with that last year and the year before that. So the Raising Their Voices report was a response to this. It was how do we get out of this and how do we prevent it happening in the future? So to see government commit to this is really important too because they're jumping on board and advocating for cultural change. Um, which we learned was so desperately needed. And that report sort of came to the forefront a couple of months ago too with Blues Fest announcing Sticky Fingers on their lineup and King Giz withdrawing and we unpacked all of that in a previous music news so head to homebrew.au and catch the podcast there. All the pieces of this puzzle are there in the podcast because <laughs> we also spoke to Jaguar Jones about her contribution yeah. to the Raising Their Voices report and how much she's done with that too. That interview you can find as well if you're, if you're really interested in going down this rabbit hole. It's all there for you. Um, we also saw the promise to use local music for government advertising on hold music and government buildings. Which this is something that we've spoken about a lot and not necessarily to do with government specifically, but we'll say, you, 
you know, Coles Radio needs to play more Australian music and it comes with an Australian music sort of scope where we're saying we don't hear enough in mainstream radio and we also don't hear it enough with, and it has actually gotten better I've noticed with Coles Radio and the supermarkets and TV advertising as well when they're advertising Home and Away or maths or whatever it is that you're watching on free to air TV, a lot of them I've noticed there is a bit of an increase in Australian music content, uh, which is fantastic to see. So we've discussed that and the need for that to try and drive more exposure to Australian musicians. And this uh, part of the government policy here is to use local music for government advertising, on hold music and government buildings, which if I'm on hold to say Jaguar Jones or Jungle Giants. <laughs> it's not necessarily hold music that I think of, so I wonder what direction they might go down with yeah, that. Yeah, who's, but cu- who's curating the yeah. on hold list? <laughs> You'd have to be you know, making sure you're choosing the right energy of music, otherwise people would get annoyed. But, yeah, it's it's... I mean, it feels like a no-brainer, but it, it's, it is really important that we have had it. Just go um, to Homebrewed Selects on Spotify, hit shuffle, and that's your on-hold music. There you go. You're covered. Simple as that. We've already done the work, government. <laughs> give us some money or something. I don't know. Um, and, you know, if only um, other radio stations played as much Australian music as Coles Radio is, we'd be in a much better place. But anyway, that's another music news for another day. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a rough overview of what you can look at. Obviously, there's a lot more money going I also to a lot of other places. quite like the continued backing of the Great Southern Knights until 2026. Of course, a Liberal government initiative that we saw brought in, Labor have said that they will continue backing that until 2026. And they'll also spend $2 million over four years to support ACT. Yes, uh, which we know is very, very important. And for what it's worth, the Liberal Party had committed money to support ACT as part of their policy too, which is really good to see governments of all side recognising Support Act's importance. Um, if you want to hear more about Support Act, you can go to our interview with Clive Miller, the CEO of Support Act, which we did towards the end of last year. Um, yeah, and by contrast, the Liberal National Coalition issued uh, just one note in support of the music industry in its policy offerings, which was a concerts initiative uh, with a value in the single-digit millions. It was essentially the continuation of of COVID support uh, with about $9 million or something like that offered. Um, So, yeah, really, really significant. The music industry has welcomed it. Uh, They've been very, very happy about it. Uh, The the number itself was historic. Uh, It's the single most offered by a state government ever in Australian history towards the music industry, even eclipsing that of Victoria. The hey, live music capital of the world. That one. So they Melbourne. say, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been widely uh, welcomed. Everyone's stoked within the music industry about that side of things at least. Um, you know, other policy positions are up for debate elsewhere, but we're here to talk about music. So that's how we're looking. And as we said, we are going to keep them accountable for this. We'll be keeping an eye on it as we do, as we have done for the entire last term of government because we've been on air for that long, um, and we will do the same with this government too. We are already attempting to get some members of that government on our show to talk to them about what these plans are, when they're going to be implemented, etc., etc. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. We will have that coming up for you a little bit later in the year, not tonight. You've heard the first part of the music news. <laughs> and now the party really starts. Now we're it talking does. data. We're with going you. into the second part of the music news and Australia's record music biz posts a healthy growth in 2022 because 
We've had growth. We've had growth. This time last year, Australia's recorded music industry was pegged as the lowest performing market. 4.4% growth uh, in revenue was to go, which wasn't very good because at the time we were in a bit of a pickle. We were looking at a finally real proper clarity coming out of COVID uh, and all was kind of on the way up, but we were still feeling those effects. So we've had some new data coming out uh, from IFPI, which is basically a body that measures this kind of stuff, so we don't have to. Uh, They do a global music report each year, and their one this year has seen our growth double. 8.1% in 2022 was the growth, remaining a top 10 market, which is very, very good. Um, This is partly to thank, uh, as you would have seen, um, we've had so many big artists on our shores. This year specifically, it feels like even more this year than last year with that confidence, that post-COVID, no lockdown confidence being fully in action. Um, Had Ed Sheeran, Harry Styles, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Fred again came through uh, as part of Laneway and some other festivals and just lit things up uh, recently. And there's so many more on the horizon which has really, really helped give it that bounce back. Um, and when we look globally, uh, we've seen the global recorded music market gross in similar numbers by 9% to $26.2 billion, which is a very, very big industry. Paid subscription to services like Spotify, Apple Music, whatever the Amazon one's called, Tidal I think it is, et cetera, um, has been the biggest drive to that. Um, subscription streaming platforms, globally contributed $12.7 billion, which is up 10%, um, which just shows how influential they are in the music industry now, which like for better or worse, this is kind of the state of things now. We, we are solely, revenue is solely, well, not solely, revenue is dominantly being driven by streaming services. So if you're out there listening and don't have a Spotify subscription, Apple Music subscription, whatever, that's on how you get your music, you would be definitely in the minority now. Uh, That is really the norm of how people are consuming music. There is one outlier, however, and this is US specific, but last year one out of every 25 vinyls sold in the United States was a Taylor Swift album. One in 25. That's bonkers. That is, that is actually Swift. bonkers. And that also, so her Midnight's album, which dropped last year, bucked the trend for pop sales. 62% of its first week sales were through LPs and CDs. Wow. So it actually really? outdid streaming services. That's crazy. Yeah. As, what's, what, do they have explanation the, for that? Was there like a, a concerted push to buy physical? So Taylor Swift dropped different type of covers. So she had like a emerald green version or she had a blue version or she had a like different colors. And if you bought all of the albums, you can then also buy like a, a clock, f- uh, what do you call it? Like the, the engine that drives the clock and makes it tick and go round. Yep. You can buy that and hang it on your wall with the different album covers and it forms a clock because the album's called Midnight's. It ties into that. So there was an incentive for people to buy all four different versions of the album. So that could have had a sway towards it. But nonetheless, one out of 25 albums sold in the US last year was Taylor Swift. And in her first week sales, 62%. Were albums, uh, well, finals and CDs. I'm not mad about that. I'd be interested to hear what everyone else thinks about it. You can always get in touch with us, Homebrewed963 uh, on Instagram, if you do want to share your thoughts. But I've always been a really big fan of the physical 
oh, version of music, the relationship you can have with that, flicking through a song but looking at lyrics, putting a CD into a drive or an LP onto a uh, vinyl player. However, I was so like I hung on to CDs for much longer than everyone else. I would always buy CDs still, but I've even fallen off that. I don't think I have a CD player anymore. So I've almost lost that connection and I, I, I don't like it. I think it comes back to how you consume music. If you're driving in the car, like if you're on your commute and that's how you listen to music, you're going to be streaming digitally on Spotify or, or Apple Music, whatever you listen to. If you're, if you like to listen to music while you're just at home, chilling, perhaps a vinyl is the way that you like to consume that. You like to do the physical touch and move the needle and get it just right. You like to get up every 15 minutes and flip it and then you like to get up and swap it and you like to put it back in its case and put it back in its spot on the shelf or wherever you put it. If you like to do the housework while you're doing to that, that could also be a way to do it. If you've got a party and that's when you typically play your music, perhaps that's when you go to Spotify. If you like to listen to Homebrew Select because you've got to do it on Spotify because we don't have an album. We don't have an LP yet, unfortunately. Because, unfortunately, new music drops every week, so it's a bit difficult (laughs) to form a vinyl play out of that. But I think it might come down to how you consume music. And for a lot of people, it could be a combination. I know my fiancé really likes, similar to you, the vinyl, and I also enjoy it too, but we don't get to do that very often because we're not really just sitting at home doing nothing or sitting at home doing housework and that's when you'll put on the vinyl but for your commute to work or just listening to music typically with your headphones on it's always through the streaming services yeah it's really interesting get in touch with your thoughts if uh, you're on a home- train you can't bring your vinyl well you can that's you. that's incorrect you can bring it <laughs> and people would have however you know what? It's no worse than the person sitting at the back with the UE boom playing yeah. terrible rap music really, really loudly. Um, but anyway, that aside, <laughs> I told almost, you we'd make data fun. <laughs> it's almost as bad as listening to people talk to the phone on speaker. Yeah, yeah. It, like instead of have just having it to their ear. Like if you're on your phone scrolling or typing away or looking at something on your phone, it makes sense. But if you're just sitting there having a chat on speakerphone, does that for person for know the that world. strangers can hear them? Yeah, for the world to hear. You it's, never know. It's, it's invasion of privacy. The small things that irritate homebrewed. It, yeah, small things. That's right. Uh, but if we if we bring it back and we look at the Australian data, and if we want to, let's jump straight to vinyl. Actually, while we're on the topic, um, wax uh, really is still on the increase for Aussie consumers. Vinyl albums grew by twenty three percent in that twelve month period to thirty six point nine million dollars worth of Australian music revenue. And you which see- is massive, a market that's nearly double that of digital downloads. So digital downloads being purchasing your music the old school way via iTunes. You own it, you yeah. download it onto your computer. They don't even have iTunes anymore. I don't even know how you do it now. Um through which- Apple Music. Do I- you still buy Stuff through Apple. I, I actually have no. Oh, I genuinely I have know. no idea. I have a subscription, and the, the, the thing that worries me about the subscription too is, but you could lose all of your music in a heartbeat because it's all in your Spotify account. If you don't pay your bill or something happens to Spotify, then all of a sudden, anyway, that aside. But yeah, thirty-six million dollars, twenty-three percent increase year on year in vinyl. We have reported on vinyl in various capacities for the five years we've done homebrewed and every single time there's significant jumps year on year on year. So that's a really interesting trend. Yeah, and you can visualise it too. If you walk into a JB Hi-Fi, the vinyl section continues to grow. It continues to be just from something where they had, you know, a little 
basket and you sort of flick through. It's now on display, top five vinyls currently. You can go through. They've got the different genres like they do with CDs as well. In fact, I dare say one of the CD aisles has been taken over by vinyls. No doubt. They are just becoming more popular and that is what the data suggests. It does. I mean, it's probably how we've gone to replace CDs as they've, you know, fallen out of vogue. Uh, We've still wanted the physical connection and vinyl is a better way to do that, I think. Uh, But yeah, if we look to Australian data generally, $609 million up 7.4% in Australian terms uh, from the previous year. We had streaming platforms driving this growth, $410 million worth of revenue up 9% and subscription brands like Spotify and that, they now generate 67.4% of the total industry, which is really, really significant. They've pretty much replaced the record labels. They have. They they, yeah. Yeah, they really have. In terms uh, of their market share and how much of the overall revenue gets split to them. We ha- Yeah, they have. They have. So that's that's our music news. We'll wrap it up there because we are running out of time. But we are keen to hear your thoughts. So do get in touch on our Instagram. Give us a follow while you're there. How do you consume music now? How do you feel about it? Are you like us? You plagued with confusion, drama, upset about it. Uh, we'd love to hear about it. Homebrewed. Get it all at www.homebrewed.au. Why is it not your internet homepage right now? Yeah, if it's not, I, I don't see any other reason why you would need to use the internet other than to access <laughs> our content. And if there is another reason, I'd like you to email it to me and I can deem whether it's worthy or not. And that email can be found at www.homebrewed.au.